Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My guest today is Adrian Murdoch, who has written the book Rome's Greatest Defeat and several other books on Roman history. And today we're going to talk about the Battle of Teutoburg first, which infamously is known as what stopped the German expansion into, sorry, Roman expansion into Ger- Germany. And we are, of course, going to debate this a little bit at the end of the episode. Was this truly what stopped the Romans from expanding into Germany? And uh, but, but first I want to begin with what got you interested in Roman history in the first place? Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, I was interested and obsessed with the Romans from a very, very early age. I um, uh, Asterix, I suspect, is, 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 is what really got me into it. Um, I remember my grandfather had a, had a pretty much complete set of Asterix, and uh, I used to enjoy running over uh, to, to, to his and, and um, looking at the books as soon as I turned up. Um, and I studied it from a very early age. I was lucky enough to do um, Latin at primary school, um, continued uh, through um, secondary school um, and ended up studying Roman history at university. It uh, um, wasn't something I could really escape. Mm. And of course, Romans were essentially written as well. So it's part of, you know, British history as well. And especially up here, I mean, I'm I'm based in uh, Scotland, mm. um, pretty much on the Antonine Wall itself. Um, if I were to look out of the window now, I can, um, in the distance, um, still see the, the 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 mound of the Antonine Wall. It's a it's a very visible presence to um to Rome. So as you know, let's begin with the Roman expansion. They conquered all with Caesar, and they of course tried to expand further into Germany, but what was the relations with German and Roman tribes and the Roman Empire at this time? We don't have in right, right around 9 AD. Um, you need to put it into the context of um, what it was that Rome was trying to do. Um, th- this was the age of Augustus. Um, uh, Augustus was expanding the empire um, like nobody's business. He was making it sort of broader, deeper, um, uh, he 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 was being egged on by the poets, who's being egged on by politicians to push further than it had ever gone before, and so he went um, initially um, into uh, following Julius Caesar and followed up the campaigns in Gaul. Um, at that stage, they were aware of Germany and they were aware of something over there. Um, Caesar had done a couple of 
I think exploratory is probably the best way of putting it, um, uh, raids into Germany. But uh, nothing really had happened. Um, one of the difficulties that we have is 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 that we, you and I, discussing this now, will describe it as French and uh, uh, and German. Um, of course, that didn't exist at, at, at the time. Um, so Gaul went sort of right up to the Rhine, mm. um, and uh, the, the the Romans were aware of the other side of the Rhine. Um, they were starting to trade um we're with the other side and uh, it's sort of as we move into the um uh in, in, into this period uh, ahead of teutoburg you're starting to see genuine trade it, it was working both ways um and you can get a sense of uh what was being traded i mean first of all men um the, 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 there was a big big trade of slavery from um, the Germans to the Romans. I mean, it's easy enough to see what the Germans wanted from Rome. You know, if you look into any graves of the period, um, you see weaponry, you see wine sets, um, you, you see effectively the, 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 the bits and pieces of civilization. Um, but the trade worked the other way as well. And I, I find that really, really interesting. So there was a tradition up until... Nero, at least, that the uh, emperor's personal bodyguards were German. They were regarded as taller, fitter, um, uh, more manly, more violent, better protectors of, of the Roman imperial self. Um, but you can see other sort of bits and um, pieces uh, going as well. I mean, we know from sort of uh, linguistically that geese were also traded um, uh, in, in, into the Roman Empire. And you can start to see at the, um, uh, the, the, as we head towards sort of 1 AD, um, there were farms. There, there, there was a genuine exchange of goods. You can see uh, German farms um, far bigger than just being, you know, enough to feed uh, the family or the, that broader community. They were clearly, um, they had animals for export as well. But relations were not great. Um, there had been uh, something called the... Um, uh, the, the Lollius Gate in, in, in modern language in about 18 BC, um, where the Germans tried, killed a legate, and there was a lot of back and forth at the time. The 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 Roman army was being pushed more and more into uh Germany. It wanted to try and civilize what it saw as barbarians. Now there was a huge economic drive to this as well um the romans realized that the the more people paying taxes the more money that there would be for the exchequer in in rome it was um uh it was a fairly significant um drive but as we head towards 9 ad um we have the problem that the empire roman empire was 
slightly deluding itself, for want of a better word. Um, the, 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 the news was being broken that, you know, Germany is, is more or less now conquered. It's now part of the empire. Um, there are some particularly uh, in, in impressive archaeological digs from the um, late 90s onwards, which show that the Romans were trying to build cities. I mean, not just walled camps, but proper cities, communities. Um, there was a forum um, uh, built in what is now Hessen. Um, in, in, so this was more than just a, a, a basic camp. And so the Romans thought that, you know, we built all this, we've shown them, if you want to put it crudely, we, we, we've shown these Germans uh, central heating and we've shown them our... Um, our, our um, uh, um, way of life. To, yeah, way of life in town halls. Um, why would anybody not want to have that? Um, but as became very, very clear... Uh, at Teutoburg, you know, the, the, the Germans weren't remotely as, in inverted commas, civilized as the, um, the, the, as, as the Romans would like to believe. And, the, you know, they, they wanted to get rid of this. So let's begin with the Germans, look at the yeah. German side and how the Germans worked, because there were several tribes, they were united, much like the Gauls were. And I got to ask, of course, Tacitus wrote his famous book on the, bar- on which is called Barbarians. Or the German about the German people. How accurately? I'm imagine not very because he's not Roman and he's biased. But how how well does he describe the Germans? That's a very very good question. Uh, I, I mean, his German book uh, on, on Germany. Uh, there is a good case to be made that that, that few books have caused as much damage um, with as few words. Uh, it, it is only 25 pages long, which is the, the, the same length as Mao's Little Red Book. And um, one can certainly make a case that um, uh, that it has sort of caused as many problems. Um, I think it's unfair to describe it as um, biased. Um, yes, it was to an extent, and he was describing politics and he had a certain agenda, yeah. But he was also writing through history through his own prism. So he was writing as a Roman trying to understand these things. It's, it's very easy to call that bias. It would also, one could also say, you know, he wasn't able to interpret it properly. Where did he get his sources from? from did it, was it Roman soldiers who'd been to Germania at the time? Or did it even Absolutely. From Germans in themselves? Both. There was a lot of engagement back and forward, Um, partly by that stage, a good number of histories had been written about Germany. Um, One of the sort of great regrets, everybody has their, every classist has their great regret of, you know, which book do they wish had survived? Um, And and Pliny uh, Pliny the Elder's um, History of Germany. Um, which hasn't survived at all. I think a few quotations have survived. Um, I really wish that were around. So it was fairly well known. Uh, bear in mind that by the time of Teutoburg, Germany had been known for about 50 years. 
there'd been considerable trade back and forward. I mean, as I said, uh, the, the Romans were starting to civilize, and there was engagement both ways. Um, there, the, 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 there were a, uh, there are graves of uh, tombstones of Roman soldiers who had settled themselves in Germany um, after they'd done their military service. And they um, were clearly working as import-export um, businessmen, um, bringing stuff back. So, so there was a lot of dialogue. Um, people didn't know it necessarily in detail, but they had an idea of, of roughly the size, where it was, what was going on. It, it, it wasn't terra incognita by any means. Mm. Let's speak about Armenia's tribe yep. and yep. Uh, his upbringing, because... You know, that, that was that a prestigious tribe or what, how well, well how not, were they trading well with the Romans? And what was their relations with the Roman life? They were actually pretty tightly connected um, to, 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 to the Romans. And, and that is one of the problems. Uh, Arminius himself was from the tribe of the Cheruski which is uh, roughly around where the town of Hanover um, is today. Um, it wasn't one of the biggest, um, but it was quite well known. Um, the tribe had had fairly good connections with uh, Rome. Um, let's remember, Arminius himself could speak Latin, so he was able to communicate and had been in the Roman army, um, uh, was stationed and uh, had been promoted within the Roman army for quite a while. Um, and his brother, Flavus, we don't even know his brother's um, Germanic name. Uh, I mean, he was called Flavus, um, uh, remained loyal to Rome and worked with Rome uh, all, all the way through. Um but the story of Arminius becomes very interesting because it's almost a micro view of what one can guess the, the, the relationship with Rome was across all of the tribes. Um, you can see within the tribe that there were some people. So Arminius's um, father-in-law, uh, Segestes, um, was very pro-Rome. Mm. Um, he saw the advantages. He wanted to do it. Um, Arminius was had become, we're not entirely sure why exactly this happened, very much against Rome. Um, and there was another senior leader, uh, Ingeor Merith, um, who was occasionally pro-Rome and occasionally against Rome. And what we see from this is the, the tribes weren't either pro or against. Um, the, the, there was no uniformity to this. Um, some of the leaders saw some benefit to um, Rome, some saw against it, and uh, uh, Arminius himself knew Rome. I mean, this this was the problem. He knew how Romans thought. He knew how Romans fought. Um, he he could see Germany from their perspective, as it were, and and this is what he was um, rejecting. And I want to go back because you mentioned Arminius and yep. growing up in Rome. Because as you know, the, his father sent his boys away, kind of as a taxation, kind of. I would compare this to later Janissaries who were sent away yeah. with train and they were going to bring be brought up in Rome and they were going to come back and hopefully, which kind of backfired in this case, you know, have good relations with Rome, be kind of a puppet for Rome when they came back. 
which I believe was a pl their idea with this. Um, so let's talk about Arminius and Flavius' upbringing, Ibrahim, yeah. when they come there as children. And the being brought up in, 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 in Rome itself is an incredibly clever um, bit of diplomacy um, uh, from, from the Roman point of view, because, of course, they had the leaders and they had them very, very close. And um, you're not going to get tribes mucking around um, if, if all of the sons are, are, are in Rome. But more to the point, it was psychological and it was long-term thinking on behalf, behalf of Rome that uh, these people were being trained, they were being brought up as Roman, as I said, they were speaking Latin, they, they understood Roman technology, they understood R Roman battles. Um, they were becoming insiders. Um, the, 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 part the, the psychology was, you know, they're now one of us, they're being taught this way. Um, and Arminius, we we don't know, but we can extrapolate. We 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 suspect that he fought fairly well in the Roman army um, in the Pannonian campaigns. This was the um, uprising in Pannonia. The, the, it was the biggest uprising um, uh, to hit the Roman Empire b b before Germany kicked off in a particularly unpleasant way. And um, the the reason that we can presume that Arminius did well is that he was sent back home afterwards um the, the romans clearly thought you know we've done our job we we we've, we've taught him well um he he can now effectively act as our mouthpiece within germany mm. so let's talk about his his pattern or he who he was brought under because varus i believe he was the one who was kind of like his father in rome wasn't it? So let's talk about Marius for a bit, and he's and when he, how he was stationed as the governor in yep. the, the border of Germany. There, there, there are more myths about Varus than than you could possibly imagine. Um, uh, he is portrayed generally as 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 a, as a bumbling idiot. Um, the one of the more recent uh, cartoons that was done. Um, uh, for for the uh, Calcrezen Museum has this uh, massively obese, overweight man um, sitting on a donkey riding along. He's made to look ridiculous. Um, Varus was, and we keep forgetting this, probably one of the smartest politicians and soldiers of his time. He was an incredibly bright man. He had performed very well. He was trusted by the emperors, um, uh, by Augustus, and um, he was a close friend of Tiberius, um, and had done incredibly well. Um, Germany was his third posting. Um, his first posting was North Africa, um, Carthage. Now, North Africa was an incredibly important, Important province to give to anybody. You you didn't give this to uh, just any aristocrat who was knocking around. Um, you gave it to somebody that you trusted, um, partly because you had a legion. Um, whoever commanded that had a legion at their hands. Um, but much more importantly, it was the breadbasket of Rome. It was one of the major breadbaskets along with Egypt. 
Um, so whoever controlled uh, North Africa essentially controlled all the bread going to um, Italy. So you only gave that to people that you trusted really, really, really well. And he was trusted. I mean, his first wife, uh, sorry, he, we, we don't know much about his first wife other than that we presume that, 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 that she existed. But his second wife, um, Vipsania, was um, uh, the, made him the brother-in-law of Tiberius. So he was the brother-in-law of the heir to the throne. I mean, that that brought him fairly tightly um, into um, uh, into the imperial family. Um, and then his second wife, uh, Claudia Pulker, um, was also uh, very very tightly bound up to 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 to, to the family, um, and uh, that also made him um, her his wife's aunt. Um, was uh, Ag- Agrippina, um, who was the um, wife of Drusus, um, who had had a lot of experience in uh, in Germany as well. This is, of course, Agrippina the Elder. Correct, correct. Um, but his second posting was also difficult. Um, Varus' second posting was to Syria. And to be thrown into uh, the Middle East... Um, which ha- was famous for, you know, rebellions and religious extremists. It was a very, very difficult position. So not um, much has changed in the last 2,000 years. Yeah, nothing changed at all. Um, it's one of the, the, the strange ways the, st- the story keeps coming back because, uh, yes, it's, it, it's very similar. Um, he was described by sources that were hostile to him as particularly brutal in the region. Um he wasn't especially. I mean, by modern standards, of course, uh, he, he, his behavior was brutal. He um, put down a rebellion. He crucified uh, people and, 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 and hung their bodies up on the, um, on, on the roads and so on. Um, but again, to put it into perspective, it, it was fewer people than had happened under the um, when Spartacus was caught and, and, and the slaves were put out. So he was doing no more than it was expected of him. But obviously we we could debate how how we as 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 modern historians see it um he was seen as a successful man by um the romans now to be then given germany that was another sign of this is a man who knows what he's doing he's good at dealing with rebellions and he's good at putting a province back together again um, there'd been a lot of warfare in uh, in in Germany. It had been slightly chaotic. Um, there was the unmitigated disaster of Drusus, um, who was uh, the histories describe him, or rather, contemporary historians describe him as you know one of the great um, uh, successes of the Roman world. Um, he was an absolute disaster um, who caused um, chaos with the legions and some, you needed a strong lo- ruler to calm everything down um, and, 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 and to make it civilised again. Um, and that's what he did. I mean, certainly for the first couple of years um, that he was there, you know, he he was doing what they wanted him to do, which was turn Germany increasingly into 
a province as as Romans would recognize it. Um, so he wasn't this idiot um, um, of, uh, of history. Now, we can talk about the mistakes that he made, and he certainly made mistakes. Um, uh, almost certainly he misunderstood his relationship with Arminius. Um, who had been one of a number of people he had fairly close to him and who he was relying on. Um, but this idea that the, the, the virus was an idiot from the beginning, uh, we can scratch that. Hmm. Was he respected among his fellow soldiers or was, was he like, yep. kind of like, uh, he's just our leader, you know, was, was he beloved or was he just respected by his soldiers? Uh, we're, we're, it is always difficult to say because um, no one was going to defend him after he lost. I mean, this idea of the um, the glorious defeat that uh, the, 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 the we see these days, that didn't exist. So you're going to be very hard-pressed to find anybody to say anything nice about him um, after his um, disastrous battle. But he seems to have done pretty well. There were no signs of disaster. <coughs> Pardon me. And there were no signs of disaster. Um, uh, the, the place was beginning to turn into a, um, in, in, into a province. He, he was doing well by all accounts. And, and the battle itself, again, it shouldn't be forgotten. It, it was an ambush um, uh, in the sense that the, the, the Varus was pretty much doing what he was expected to be doing. Um, they had campaigned all year. He was moving uh, everything back to camp, and by everything I mean soldiers, but along with it, uh, all of the paraphernalia that goes along with any army. So it was um, all the servicemen who went along with it. It was the Romans who had serviced the 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 the, the soldiers um, when they were in Germany. Um, it would have been girlfriends coming back as well. It would have been prostitutes coming back. It, it was every element of, of of Roman society. Effectively, the cities were moving back to um, uh, were, were moving back to um, Roman territory um, for the winter. We talked about some of the main players now to yeah. build up to the to the to that battle itself, of course, and I think feel like this is necessary in order to understand yeah. how how things developed here. But let's talk about Armenius coming back to Germany. Was there? Do we know if there was some emotions there? There lost emotions, and how how was this? How was he received by his tribe when he came back? Do we know this? Again, it's very very difficult to say partly because we don't have any uh contemporary uh historians from the time um uh, sorry germanic historians i mean um and uh, a lot of it will a lot of the history that we have was used as an excuse um effectively to beat up Varus for 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 having caused this disaster i mean everybody wanted to um make sure that he had the blame for it but um presumably he was well regarded when he came back he became commander of and 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 the chief of the Cheruscan tribes 
uh, tribe um, fairly rapidly. Um, and he had enough personal sway to be able to be uh, head of the tribe, but clearly there have been conversations saying, we're now going to go against Rome. Um, and while we can look around and say, okay, it, it's overstated how many tribes joined him beforehand, we can get make an estimate that, that three or four tribes properly um, uh, joined him in advance. It was different as soon as it looked as though he was winning. Considerably more um, uh, Germanic tribes uh, joined him because obviously you want to be on the side of the winner. Um, but he had clearly made a name for himself and was well regarded. Do we know why suddenly he switched side? Was it for personal benefits <laughs> or was it like he in generally detested Brian and he never what, felt at home belonging there and he just what, he just needed? Was it for his own personal prestige, in other words, or was it just for, you know, go against Rome for glory of his people? That's the million dollar question. And um, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine how many pages have been written trying to uh, work mm. out. We don't know is the simple answer. Um, and even more broadly than that, we don't know what it was that he was trying to do. Um, I suspect that it wasn't quite as thought out uh, as it was. I mean, from the 18th and 19th, from the rise of nationalism in Germany in the 18th and 19th century, and then the, 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 the 20th century, he wanted to um, unite this pure race and 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 kick out these southern upstarts who who were taking over. Um, you know, the promised land of Germany. Of course, that was nonsense because almost none of those concepts existed. Um, I, I think it was more prosaic than that. He didn't want to pay taxes. Mm. Um, if, if you normally want to look at uh, reasons for doing something, it's always good to look at where the cash is. And um, they didn't want to pay taxes. They were being forced to send... Uh, make produce um, either directly or in kind um, and send to Rome and this was annoying them mm. um, as for Arminius himself and his own motivations uh, I think it's safer not to try and give an answer because there isn't one mm -hmm. we, we don't know I mean it was he was against Rome and he wanted to get rid of Rome um, but beyond that um, yeah we don't really know so let's talk before we go into United Tribes and spoke briefly about. I want to talk about his marriage with another heroine, I believe, of Germany, which is Tusnelda, who was, yeah. as you mentioned, the daughter of Sergestis. So, was this a strategic alliance for Arminius to marry Tusnelda? Um, again, this is one of those questions that we'd love to answer. And there's a uh, lot of doubts in there. <laughs> <clears throat> We don't know. There <laughs> is um, a, a massive Germanic uh, tradition, again, from the 18th and 19th century, that, that, that it was a love match. Um, it could well have been a love match. Um, we simply don't know. Um, we know that they were married. We know that they had uh, a child, a son, um, Thumelicus. Um 
after the battle, a uh, couple of years after the battle, she 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 was captured um, by Germanicus and sent to um, Ravenna um, in 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 Italy, which seemed seemed to be the dumping ground for um, everyone that the the Romans wanted to keep alive, but um, didn't want to kill. Um, but of their relationship itself, we, we, we don't know. I mean, there there, there are some marvelous um, plays. Uh, German plays in the 19th century, um, which have her as she was the political thinker um, for Arminius, and that he the, he's portrayed as the, as as the muscle, and and she was the brain um, who who um, provoked him, if that's the right way of putting it, uh, to invade Rome, but uh, not to invade Rome, but to get rid of all the Romans, um, but but we simply don't know. So let's talk about how the. How did it manage to convince uniting the tribe to go against Rome? Because as you mentioned, they were not united at all, much like Grohl was. What did they hope to be that kind of like I don't forget his name, but the guy, the Grohlish leader who united the tribes against Caesar. Person Gatorick. Person Gatorick, that's it. I was it was on the tip of my tongue there. But was it was it hoping to be kind of that that kind of figure for the Germans? Um I he has become that afterwards and again that's uh, how he was portrayed from the 18th century onwards um i'm i'm a bit more skeptical only three or four tribes joined arminius to begin with <clears throat> and i can guess uh, we can guess um uh, the the that um his pitch was something along the lines of i don't want to pay tax you don't want to pay taxes either if we get rid of them, we might get some booty and then we'll be left alone. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's enough. Yeah. Um, that's a very, very good point because one thing um, that is ignored and simply because we don't have enough uh, evidence about it is, is, is there was um, there was very little, uh, there's very little history that we can talk about um, of the and, relationship. And that, and that is a Something shame else. because it's such a fascinating and gigantic battle in history that we don't have so much evidence to gather from. It should have been, it seems because it's significant, at least in later centuries, that it should be more written about this. And it's such a shame that it isn't. I, I, that is one of the more interesting things about it i mean as i said earlier there was no cult in rome of the you know the glorious loser um you, you very very rarely get you had um leonidas um at the battle of marathon but pretty much you know the romans didn't celebrate losses um only a handful of people wrote about the battle of teutoburg forest um you had a chap called velis paterculus um yeah. who is significant uh, because he was the closest, he knew all of the people involved, um, and 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 he wrote soon afterwards. Um, the only problem is he was an absolutely dire writer. Um, uh, he he his write, Roman history did survive, and it was used as a a, a kind of grammar lesson um, in the in the sixteenth seventeenth century. But his Latin is dreadful, and he's not much of a historian. Um, but you're then getting on to um, uh, people like Tacitus and Cassius Dio, and they were all writing significantly after the event. Now, 
to an extent they were using uh, some writers at the time but um the the the, the when you're that far removed um it, it, it becomes difficult to do mm. and i've been postponing a little bit to talk about this and i know this is what people came to the episode for and then let's talk about the battle itself yeah course. yeah i think the the, the the crucial thing to remember about the battle and and uh is often forgotten is that there was no battle of teutoburg forest it was an extended series of skirmishes that probably went over around 50 60 kilometers um the best analogy that the that i've seen to it is if you look at um uh, the the battles with the german soldiers in europe uh, at the end of the second world war that comes close so there were lots of skirmishes as people kept retreating and that, I suspect, is um, what the Battle of Teutoburg Forest itself was. It was a series of skirmishes. And Kalkriza, where the, the, the museum is, um, was one of the main points and one of those main skirmishes. But this wasn't something that happened in, in a field. And that's what's made it so hard to discover and to see. Let's talk about the route that the virus had to take. Was this yep. the best best op- possible options for the Roman army to go through? Or did you have better better option? Perhaps it wasn't just reluctant, not reluctant, but you know, insistent on going. We going that way. That's final. Uh, nothing's gonna happen to us. You know, Mar- Mar- Arminius is our friend. He's not gonna let anything happen to us. Or the was the what was the other was there other options he could have taken to avoid this disaster? I'm afraid I'm going to annoy you again because we don't know. Mm. Um, the best guess is that it was going from west to east. Um, the best guess is that Armenius and the tribes that he had worked with um, had created, they wanted to create something that would cause the Roman army to divert. Now, that is one of the cleverest things that Arminius did, because it couldn't be so large um, that Arminius, uh, the that Varus would say, "Right, I'm going to send out dispatches. I'm going to get help from all the other Roman legions in in Germania, um, or or even uh, you know get get a legion from outside um, the the country." It had to be. Uh, an uprising that was small enough that Varus thought, I can deal with this now, um, but not too big. Um, that either If it was too small, he might just send some small troops. If it was too big, he'd call for reinforcements. It had to be something that he would do himself. And in this, um, Ar- Arminius judged it uh, perfectly. Again, we don't know exactly what it was. Um, the best guess is uh, that the, the, there is a tribe in the region called the Angrivari, um, and they an uprising in that tribe would have been enough to kick things off. So that's what we think happened. Um, and uh, the Roman army was coming south um, and uh, then headed west towards those. Um Again, the, the, this is a streak of utter, utter genius um, from Arminius 
was that he used the landscape perfectly. Um, it's quite hard to see in modern times uh, ha, 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 how it works, um, but some of the digs down to the, the, the Roman level at Calcresa, where the battle is, give an indication of, 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 of what he did. Um, he funneled the Romans um, onto probably a 200-metre-wide stretch, um, so they would be walking quite closely together. The uh, cavalry wouldn't be able to deploy properly. Um, they obviously wouldn't be able to get the siege weapons out properly. Um, uh, it's been called a lobster pot. Um, it was a way of tracking the Romans in, um, but they wouldn't be able to get out properly. Um, a lot of thought had clearly gone into this. This, this, this wasn't uh, an ambush that happened on the spur of the moment. Um, you can see at Calcresa itself, um, the uh, Germanic tribes had built um, or, 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 or built up barricades um, of earth so they could attack the Romans um, who would be thrown into sort of disarray um, while remaining um, slightly protected. It, it, it was a very, very clever move, but it was about three or four days worth of battles. Um, what is also significant is that the weather really, really, really played to um, uh, Arminius's uh, strengths. Um, for years, it had been thought that um, discussions of the rain and the storms were literary rather than um, they were metaphors for the problems that were hitting um, uh, for the problems that were hitting the Romans rather than, than, than literal. But anybody who knows northern Germany at that time of year knows quite how unpleasant the weather is and can be in those sudden North Sea storms, which can come over, um, did a fantastic job for the Germans of neutralising the Romans. Um, asynchronous warfare has become the thing that, the, the, that is talked about in, in, in military circles, which is when a... A technologically inferior army completely defeats a much more uh, technologically advanced um, army, um, and 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 this has always been the discussion about Teutoburg Forest, and I suppose the best parallel and and, and the one I've, I've sort of written about most is with the Vietnam War, um that the Germans on paper did not have the military equipment that the Roman army had. But what they did was find a way of getting the Romans to fight in a stupid manner. And that's exactly what the Viet Cong did in uh, Vietnam. And many of the techniques were the same. It was the sudden ambushes. It was the appearing um, into the forest uh, causing mayhem and then vanishing again almost before you know, the American soldiers had their uh, trousers on. Mm. Um, the weather certainly helped uh, in the sense that uh, the, 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 the leather for the Roman army will have become incredibly heavy. And if you're a soldier, 
you're tired, you haven't slept properly, you've been harried at night, and your shield suddenly weighs twice as, twice as much as it was going to weigh um, uh, because it's been soaked. Uh, you know, psychologically, that, that that's an incredible um, thing to do. Um, and the narrowness of the paths, um, I think I said a minute ago, that, that it caused the Romans to, to fight slightly stupidly. Obviously, if they were in an open plain, the cavalry could have taken out the German army in seconds. And let's not forget that the Romans are mostly trained for open pitch battles, not yep. in close, right. not a close, tight forest situation, as they found themselves in, right in Teutoburg Forest. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And um, they couldn't deploy the horses. Now, if you are traveling with a lot of horses but can't actually use them in any way, they are just getting in the way. And more to the point, if somebody is firing arrows at those horses, you're, you suddenly have a huge problem um, that, that you can't physically get out, can't get around. It's... Um, uh, it, it was a very canny move on 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 the part of uh, Arminius, and constantly harassing them, um, and uh, sorry, constantly harassing the Roman army so that they had no break was also a very very smart move. Um, the 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 ordinance that the Germanic tribes had was again stood to their favour. Um, I have uh, sort of written about in the past the 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 um, German tribes were, were were described as having fought uh, nudus, um, which used to be described as nude. Uh, the 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 the, the uh, German soldiers sort of running around naked with spears. Um, that's of course nonsense, <clears throat> and nudus could also just mean lightly armed. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the uh, Germans were wearing trousers, um, but which is barbaric. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what that meant is, uh, by being lightly armed, they had their spears. They possibly had a short um, uh, a sword for close combat. Um, they had these very light wicker shields, but it meant that the the Roman the Germans could suddenly appear from the forest, cause damage, but then vanish again very quickly. So let's talk about the main skirmish, as I mentioned, and the location yep. of the museum and various suicide, which whatever that loss would eventually lead to. Yeah, the um, uh, battle, the, the 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 main sort of crux of the battle seems to have happened there. Um, the Roman army by that stage had been uh, attacked for three or four days. Um, clearly a lot of damage uh, had been done. Um, Pneumonius Valor, um, who was the head of the cavalry, um, tried to escape off um, to the south. Um, he gets a bit of a bad rap in the uh, Roman writing. You know, the, the, the man was deserting um, his army. Um, but there's also the the the, the fairly plausible ex, um, uh, explanation that uh, he was asked to leave, and at the um, uh, uh, at, at the site of the battle itself, the, the, there are a couple of um, um, statues of horses, um, which uh, sort of indicate possibly the direction they went. And anyway, none of the cavalry survived. So the Roman army had been cut down, 
uh, dramatically. Um, one of the most poignant uh parts of the battle and 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 that that the brings home how scary it was is um i described earlier the, the 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 ramparts um from which the um germans fought um one of them landed on uh the body of a uh, one of the donkeys uh, the the pack animals Oof. and when archaeologists discovered the bell that was round the animal's neck the bell had been stuffed with grasses to stop it making a noise. And I think that's a fairly good indication of how scared the soldiers were um, of what was happening. So I don't think you're extrapolating too far to say, look, they hadn't slept for three days. They'd been attacked all the time. They'd lost the cavalry uh, that had, had gone off. They were on their own. Um, the suicide of Varus again should not be seen in contemporary language it should be seen in in the course of its time um it was kind of like in a sense what the japanese generals did yeah. when they lost in the second world war yeah that's a really good analogy it was not seen as uh, there, there were cowardly ways to commit suicide, and, and there were honourable ways. And 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 killing yourself, um, falling on your sword, was an honourable way of doing it. Now people tried to uh, write unfavourably about Varus, but of course they did. That um, he required one of his servants to help him uh, do so. Um, it's also worth pointing out that uh, Varus's father um, had also. Um, uh, committed suicide. Um, Kind of rather than the family. Well, well, exactly. It's hard not to make that analogy. I mean, his father had been one of the most unlucky soldiers of all time in in the the generation previously. He backed everybody he lost. So he backed Pompey against Caesar, um, and then he decided to go up against Mark Antony, um, uh, supporting Cicero, uh, supporting um, Brutus and Cassius, mm. and uh, um, uh, realizing that he 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 was unlikely to to to, to be forgiven for doing this uh, twice. The, and, that, and that should not help the virus case in history no. as well. No, so so, 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 so there was clearly something there. But it's also to be remembered, and I, I appreciate I keep saying things that need to be remembered, but um, they would not have expected any sympathy from the Germanic tribes. Um, partly there was um, this long historic fear of what German tribes would do to you, and there were these horror stories. The problem was that the horror stories were fairly accurate. Um uh, there is a, a survivor's story, not a survivor's story. One of the survivors mentioned that one of the um, centurions um, uh, took his, um, uh, his arms were tied up with chains and brought the chains down on his own head rather than be killed by the Germans because uh, it would have been such a brutal way of doing so. And even allowing for the exaggeration of the Roman historians, um, 
the 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 Germans were were making up for a lot of um, uh, aggression um, yeah. uh, against them, and and they wouldn't have expected any mercy. And again, I want to mention analogy. We've done this a few times in the Second World War with the Soviet soldiers enters Berlin, and when we're going to make an episode about this fairly soon, actually. Oh, but, you know when how they reacted to the Germans when they invaded Soviet Union. They kind of reacted in the same way. They had a lot of, lot of anger to put, take yeah. out on the Germans, and same it was this case, except it was the Germans, not against the Soviet, but against the Romans. Actually, that's a that's a very good point, um, and and again, this isn't discussed a, a great deal. But you can imagine. Actually, you don't need to imagine. You, it is easy enough to see how unsympathetic the Romans will have been for the previous two generations within Germany. Yeah. Um, there is a uh, lovely letter. Um, it's from the other side of the empire and several centuries later, um, but um, a man doing his accounts and within the accounts is a vast amount of money, bribery to local soldiers. And, uh, OK, this was several centuries earlier and in Germany, n- n- not in Syria, but I'm pretty sure that, that as always, the Roman soldiers would have turned up in a local community and behaved yeah you know, abysmally in the way that occupying forces um often do mm. so let's talk about before we go to the aftermath and Germanicus entrance into into the aftermath of the Teutoburg first i want because there has been some debate for some time before archaeological evidence i believe managed to locate the location of the Teutoburg first so how difficult was it to find the actual location? Where this battle took place before, especially before archaeological archaeology archaeology played a significant part in finding the Teutoburg first. And when did when did you finally find this the location? It was both easy and incredibly difficult. Um, it, it's one of those things that, in retrospect, um, you know, why didn't they find it earlier? Um, it was found um, by a British soldier. Um, who was into archaeology, um, who went looking in a field called the Golden Field, uh, and it was called the Golden Field because they kept finding Roman coins there. Um, uh, And this was in the 80s, a man, uh, Major Tony Clum, um, who sadly passed away about a decade ago, um, was the man who found um what is Teutoburg Forest. Now he wasn't initially looking for the battle itself. Um he was a um um oh, uh, what's the word um a metal detectorist um who who was just looking for Roman coins. But the battle itself had become a touch point and I think it's worth digressing for a minute to talk about how the battle occurred. Um, it had vanished almost from history until about the 15th century. There are a few mentions and this, that, and the other, but it was in the 15th century that uh, the, there was the big discovery of um, Roman manuscripts in 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 the abbeys around um, Europe. 
And uh, the significant one here was, as we said right at the very beginning, Germania, in Tacitus's book, which was found in 1455, um, didn't really come into notice um, until the end of the century, so you know, the late 15th century. But it's hard to under as it's hard to underestimate what a bomb that set off. It had always been presumed that Germany was part of the Roman Empire. They saw Trier and you know, the, the the very very visible um, parts that were there, um, and 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 other parts of the empire where it was very very obvious. So it was just presumed that the, the Germany was part of it, and suddenly you have a book which says Germany wasn't invaded and Germany stood proud against the Roman Empire, um, which instantly, okay, it, it, it remained uh, Latin and within the um, sort of academic um, uh, upper crust sphere for a while, but it was eventually translated into German um, local languages. And it then took off. Um, it was a hugely, hugely, hugely important battle very rapidly. Um, Martin Luther, for example, cited it um, when he was um, uh, when he was sort of introducing the idea of Protestantism. Um, modern historians like um, Niall Ferguson uh, have, have suggested that that that, that it shows the split between Protestant Europe and Catholic Europe, um, which which brought in sort of all kinds of uh, sort of additional um, uh, controversy and tension to it. Um, it. It was used uh, as, you know, we're Protestant, we're Germanic, um, we're against uh, the, the soft South, and you can even see the same language, you know, the Euro crisis that that we saw in two thousand and eight. Um, that kind of language began to came come back with the split between, you know, Northern Protestant Europe and 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 uh, what became known as Club Med um, Europe. Um, and of but course, you have, national, you have nationalism where this battle is presumably, you know, played That's... a significant part. That's where I was going. Um, there was no Germany at the time, obviously. But uh, it became, the battle became the first consciousness of, of, of a Germanness um, that, 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 that existed. Um, it emerged particularly after the time of Napoleon um, as its way of unifying the, the country. Um, uh, Frederick the Great um, saw himself as, as as the heir to this. Um, you, you you see it with the Hermannsdenkmal um, in Detmold, um, the, this massive statue, um, which which emerged in the nineteenth century. It was roughly the same time uh, as we were just talking about the Vercingetorix began to emerge as as, as the saviour of France and the. Um, Bodicea emerged in the UK as as, as as fighting against the fight of Rome. But the, but the nuances with Arminius became more significant because um, he truly became part of the German consciousness after the Franco-Prussian War um, in the 1870s. The um, 
a huge statue and a bandle statue went up and I think in about 1875 um and it's interesting the, the 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 figure which is standing on top with this um sword the sword isn't pointing towards rome it's pointing towards france and he had by that time become a very 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 strong voice of um german nationalism um it continued um uh, to reach its uh, not peak, but it was used um, throughout the Nazi period. Um, again, the, the 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 it became a useful um, thing for um, uh, for the Nazis to hold on to. So, uh, in 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 the marches in Munich um, in in the mid thirties, um, they would often have Cheruscan warriors um, marching alongside. You know, maidens in dundles and, and and all the other bits and pieces. Um, Hitler himself, in 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 several of his uh, conversations, mentioned it. This isn't to overstate it, because I mean the the, the idea of a Nazi thought. I mean everything was about power, and and um, there was no sort of unified Nazi thought, but it became involved in that yeah. uh, there was a film in the mid 30s as well which had um this idea of arminius is bringing our great nation together and w w we're able um to to do this but the reason i've gone on and about that is that's one of the reasons why the battlefield was never found um there were huge numbers of archaeologists and there were huge numbers of um, uh, you know, early Germanic specialists. Many died during the Second World War. And uh, after 1945, no one within Germany was rushing to start talking about German nationalism again. Yeah. Um, it, it's significant that I think only two exhibitions in Germany um, about the early Germanic tribes happened between about 1945 um, and the end of the century. Yeah. It's and how, not the yeah. thing that people came about. Um, so Tony Clun was able to explore in comparative peace, and, and uh, you can detect a slight sense of relief uh, in the German press at the time when it was found, um, that it was not found by a German. Now, as, as I said, Tony Klan had wanted to uh, find gold coins. That's what he was after. Uh, he was a metal detectorist. But he realized fairly soon afterwards that he'd found a major battle. Um, not only did he find huge numbers of coins, he had found huge varieties of military paraphernalia. If he had just found swords, then you could write it off as a raiding party. If he just found cavalry bits, you know, similarly. But they found um, uh, swords, they found daggers, they found uh, spears, they found uh, bolts um, from catapults. Uh, they found slingshots. It was the sl uh, slingshots in particular that did so. But that's how the... Um, the battle itself was found. And if, before we draw the debate, as I mentioned in the very beginning of the podcast, I have, and if this was such a significant battle as it might have been for the Romans, I want to know 
which was in German, and we mentioned this briefly, he's also known as Hermann. So how did, how did Arminius go to being Hermann? Well, it's going to be the usual answer that, 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 that I suspect you will be hating and never want to hear ever again. <laughs> um, we don't know. Um, linguistically, it doesn't make a, a, a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> other than they sound slightly similar. I mean, I, I assume it must be something of nationalistic because Armenius was the Roman name, right? And then it must be something there about nationalism in German that needed a more German name, right? That, that must have been some parts that played in this. The best guess is, is Arminius, and you from Arminius you get to Erman, uh, the chieftain, and from Erman to uh, um, Hermann. Hmm. Now it is massively, massively, massively debated. Um, I, I, I suspect it, it, it's the simplest answer. It, that's probably how you get there. Um, but it's certainly been sort of jumped on. I mean, it's uh, as a sign of how much consciousness is, is, is not just the number of Hermanns that there are in Germany, um, but the number of uh, Arminiusstraßen that you see. I mean, there's barely, I, I can't think of a town where they had the, where you don't have at least one Arminiusstrasse. So it's, uh, um, that's how it got in. So if that that's kind of half answer. Yeah, I think the best guess is uh, uh, Arminius is the, 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 as you said, the Latinized version of Alman and Alman to Herman is the same. So, of course, I want to end with, I spoke about this before the podcast. How is it over exaggerated that the Battle of Teutoburg first? Because I, some a lot of historians do place the claim that this was a stop for a Roman expansion into Germany, and that that this would be, you know, even though they tried and never conquered mm. Germany, is is it fair to say that this was truly the stop of Roman expansion into Germany, or is that an over exaggeration? Yes and no. Is the answer as always? Um, yes, I think it is. The Romans never especially liked going over to the other side of the Rhine, um, and the Rhine, just physically by its nature, was a very handy barrier to have. Now it was very porous, in the sense that there was a lot of trade that went back and forward. Um, there is almost, I mean, you can't see a grave uh, on on north of the Rhine that doesn't have a huge amount of, of, of Roman gear. I mentioned um, geese um, uh, before as as, as as that became Gantz. Gans and Ganta um, uh, linguistically, you can see that coming from 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 the Germans. Um, there was a lot of trade in animals. There was also a lot of trade in wigs. Uh, German hair was prized, so there was a lot back and forward. Um, and southern Germany, for want of a better word, saw a lot of uh, sort of German exp uh, Roman expansion. I mean, Trier, for example, was a, a capital um, for a long time in the, in the late Roman Empire. So, yes, it stopped conquest, um, 
but there's no, there's a good argument to be made that the the Romans didn't need to conquer any further. You know, they 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 had it. They knew that they weren't going to see much trouble, and they got the stuff that they wanted. And as you know, they never conquered. But yeah, I've debated this so before. And as you know, they never conquered Scandinavia or Germany or Ireland. And simply because for the Romans there was nothing there for them to. No, no interest in minerals, there was nothing there for them. So it could not be part of why as well, but there was just simply nothing interesting for the Romans to expand upon in Germany or Scandinavia for that matter. Was that, could that be a reason as well? Yes, I think it was. It, it is one of the very unpalatable arguments, and I say unpalatable because it's not uh, popular at all in Scotland, um, that why the Romans made such a, an, an effort to conquer Scotland and then gave up. They built the wall because, the, you know, the Scottish people were bringing in drugs that brought in, you know, Earth people, they took their jobs, you know, so... Um, in reality, you're right. There's nothing there. <laughs> it wasn't worth. Uh, history has fortunately changed in the last generation that we start to look at the money um, uh, a, a lot more significantly. And it became in Germany, as it did for Ireland, uh, as it became for Scotland, as, as for Scandinavia. I'm sure that the, the Romans were saying, yes, we could. But it's not worth the effort. It would require a vast amount of manpower and it would require a vast amount of money. And that is money and that is soldiers that are better used, closer to home for stuff where we know that there is an active benefit. Was, well, did, did Germany simply become, if you want, was a general who needed, you know, prestige and easy victory? Was that kind of. If you wanted the easy victory, you wanted to go to Germany, right? When, especially when Rome stopped expanding. Was this the case? Yes. Yeah, the, the, there were various battles that continued into Germany uh, throughout the Roman Empire. And you see almost once in a generation and your shoulders drop where you can see an emperor thinking, I need to do something. I need to get my name on a coin. Um, uh, celebrating a victory, I know I will send the army into. Um, but 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 that's pretty much as far as it went. Uh, that was also worth saying that that, that Germania had a lot of um, legions looking after it. I mean, it was it, it was good five or six legions that that that, that were based up there. Um, indication that. Um, um, uh, they were going to dismiss it slightly and they weren't going to go in that way, but they were still going to take it seriously and not be caught again. And I think we've done a round it up there. And last year we made an episode with Lindsay Powell on Germanicus, who has written yes. a biography on him. And we speak a lot about the aftermath after the Teutoburg first and Germanicus cleanup, as we mentioned. He kidnapped his wife and his son, which Arminius will never see again. And um, but before you go, do you have thank you so much for being on the podcast? Do you have anything you want to promote, promote any links, any social media you want to share in the description? No, thank you so much for having me. Um, follow me on Twitter. Hmm. I absolutely would recommend too. My name is Adam. This has been the Latest Twelve. We are available on Twitter, 
and Instagram. And with that, H12, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts these days. If you are on iTunes, please consider writing a review of the podcast. That would help us out a lot. Please like, share, and subscribe. And I'll see you next time.